0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au right, let's pray. Jesus, help us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Come and minister to us. May we encounter you as we spend time in your word today. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, as Lockie shared and led this morning. Mm -hmm. May we never lose the wonder of who you are and all that you've done in your life, your death and your resurrection. Help us not just go through the motions this Easter or any day, Lord, but particularly this Easter as we journey um, toward the cross in our own um, remembering and our own celebrations of your resurrection. May we know what it is to live a full life because of the life you've given us, because of your triumph over death once and for all. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles there, feel free to open them up to Mark chapter 14. Um, Otherwise, if you are on your smartphone and you would rather follow along in the YouVersion Bible app, you'll find the scriptures in there for today. Uh, We're going to be in Mark 14. We're also going to look at Psalm 42 and a little bit in Romans 8, uh, try and finish up uh, kind of where Glenda started us off with what it is to be born again, what it is to be adopted into the family of God. Uh, I'm always a little bit... um, I'm a bit thoughtful about illustrations or examples that we kind of use... When we give a message uh, a couple of weeks ago, Damien shared about um, the woman anointing Jesus in Simon's house and how she just lavishly poured perfume over him and prepared him for burial, as, as Jesus said. And he talked about the gamut spectrum of you know some people who might, if you go and visit some people, and it would just be bread and water, whereas, um, and he had to get used to what it was for, for Hannah, if you go and visit the Tanners, and it's just a full spread, and where we might be on, on how we might do that. And some people reflected on, man, just listening to that message, I got hungry. <laughs> and then last week, I didn't even preach, but um, Linda was uh, talking uh, about the, the Lord's Supper and, and leading us into that, and I shared before that, around the Lord's Table and about Passover and about the Passover meal and it comprised of lamb and herbs um, and unleavened bread. And the feedback was, are you talking about that? I got hungry. Well, that's not clear. And then Linda stands up and starts talking about people stealing from the cookie jar. (laughs) So we just had all the courses covered. So I have this in mind when I think about how to illustrate the word that we're gathering around on that day. I still have people that come up and try and pinch my cheeks because I used a baby as an example last year in how the way that we treat and speak to babies is not the way that we treat and speak to adults. So there are some people that have taken it upon themselves to try and pinch my cheeks still. I struggle to remember the point of that message except for the fact that I've got to hold a cute baby. How do we convey the fullness, the depth, of what God wants us to receive as we gather around his word, as we spend time in his presence? Uh, it's, it is a long reading today, and I don't have beautiful people to come and read it. We're just going to read it, and we're just going to take our time. Uh, it's Mark chapter 14, 14 from verse 32. I really feel the weight of this today. I've got a plan, but God's plans are bigger than mine, so we'll see where we go. Uh, Mark 14, 32. Are you there? They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. So a bit of context, if you don't know the story, Jesus has shared in what we call the Last Supper, with his disciples. It's the Passover feast that the Jews traditionally shared at this time of the year, the start of the year, Passover time, and they've shared in that feast together. And they've left that, they've um, had a time of singing, which is a, a normal conclusion to the Passover feast, and now they're heading out for a time of prayer, which is a little bit off from the normal plan for Passover. And the other difference is that Jesus often went to be by himself, when he went to pray. This time, he takes the disciples with him because he's aware of what is going to happen. So that's the context for where we are. So he's taken all the disciples except for Judas. Judas has gone off to put the plan into action to betray Jesus. You don't see that in the Gospel of Mark. Judas suddenly disappears at some point during the Last Supper. He took Peter, James and John, the inner three, along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death he said to them stay here and keep watch going a little farther he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him abba father he said everything is possible for you take this cup from me yet not what i will but what you will that the abba there is is Aramaic for father, and a lot of um, commentators will say it's it's the equivalent to us saying daddy. So here is Jesus in his greatest moment, his greatest hour of need, crying out to daddy God. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. (laughs) Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation." The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, "'Are you still sleeping and resting? "'Enough, the hour has come. "'Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners.' Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kisses the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, meaning teacher, and kissed him. The man seized Jesus and arrested him. And then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Another gospel tells us that that was Peter that cut off the ear of Matthias. "'Am I leading a rebellion?' said Jesus. "'You've come out with swords and clubs to capture me. "'Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts "'and you did not arrest me. "'But the scriptures must be fulfilled.' "'Then everyone deserted him and fled. "'A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment "'was following Jesus. "'When they seized him, he fled naked, "'leaving his garment behind.' They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they didn't find any. They couldn't find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their testaments statements did not agree then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him we heard him say i will destroy this man-made temple and in three days will build another not made by man yet even then their testimony did not agree then the high priest stood up before them and asked jesus are you not going to answer what is this testimony that these men are bringing against you but jesus remained silent and gave no answer again the high priest asked him are you the Christ the son of the blessed one are you the Messiah I am said Jesus and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven and the high priest tore his clothes why do we need any more witnesses he asked you've heard the blasphemy what do you think They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists and said, prophesy, and the guards took him and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. And again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Luke retells the same story, but uses different language, obviously, and tells it from a slightly different perspective. But in in Luke's retelling, it says right there at the end of that that the Lord looked at Peter, and then Peter went and wept, wept bitterly. Can you imagine, three, after you've just denied Jesus the Messiah, your teacher, your rabbi, the saviour of the world three times and he meets your eyes face to face, he meets you, he meets your gaze and looks at you. What must have been happening for Jesus, what must have been happening for Peter in that moment? I wanted to try and make this somewhat real without the beating. So can I have 11, 12 volunteers? Anybody, 12 volunteers. And you'll need to come up here now or I'll start volunteering people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Four more. Nine, ten, eleven. Need one more? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Twelve. now i'm sorry michael but you'll have to be no you're 12 but you're judas you'll have to go and sit down <laughs> sorry mate but someone's got to be judas i know you're not judas i know that's not your heart and i've already had jason be judas once before so i couldn't choose him all right so i'll be jesus They've had the Last Supper. Not only have they had the Last Supper, keep in mind they've been doing life together for more than three years. And these, pardon me, these 12 men, these 11 men, not counting Judas, followed Jesus everywhere. The disciples following a rabbi like it was life on life. It was like family. That's why Jesus said, you can, you leave your family, you leave your friends, you leave your homes all behind, and I'll give you so much more. And so these people would have dedicated their lives to Jesus. One of the differences with Jesus calling the disciples was that he called them. Often in, the, in that day, disciples would choose their rabbi. One of the usual practices was that disciples would choose a rabbi and then choose somebody else to go along with them. And so they would follow their rabbi no matter where they went, what they did, and learn from them. And so for more than three years, this group of people has been following Jesus, learning from him, observing him, questioning him, which is normal kind of rabbinic culture, so that they could learn what he did, why he did. And so they could do what he had been doing. And so it gets to this crucial pivotal point as we're in the lead up to his death and his resurrection. This is the night that he was crucified. I understand in in the normal church calendar, today is Palm Sunday. We celebrate um, Jesus and the triumphant entry into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And we've kind of skipped that a little bit and gone straight towards the night that he was crucified. So Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, but he takes his disciples and so I can never remember the name of all 12, but I remember the three. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You go and stand up there, all bunched together. Now try and stay awake. <laughs> all right, bunch up a bit more. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, coron- yeah, 1.5 meters, but bunch up. <laughs> Help me, Lord. All right, now you three come over here. You are Peter, James, and John. Hey, we've we got a John, so you can't be Peter. Graham, Kim, you're John, James, Peter. Cass, you can be Peter. All right? So you're the inner three. So who did Jesus take with him when he went up on the mount, mountain where he was transfigured? For the mount, We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. Who did he take with him? Peter, James, and John. The same three. His inner sanctum, his inner circle, the three that got to go with him. Jesus went to pray for a girl that had died. He cleared out the room except for Peter, James, and John. So this is the inner three. He's taken all the disciples everywhere he goes, but this is the inner three that stays closest to him. And one of these is known as the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, at this point, he says something profound. He says to his disciples... Sit here. He says to all of them, sit here while I pray. All right, that's the only instruction. Just sit here. Just sit here. And then he took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. We're going to come back to that. And he said to these three, stay here and keep watch. Sit here while I pray. Stay here. And keep watch. And then Jesus goes off by himself. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now, we think that's a short prayer, except he comes back to these three. I, can't, I really want you to like, experience the weight of what's happening for Jesus, but also his love for every single one of his disciples, and ultimately for us. He comes back and he says, he singles out Simon, I, yeah. calls him Simon, not Peter. He's the one that gave Simon the name of Peter and he goes back to his original name, Simon. Are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? So we have this short prayer. Yet he comes back to the disciples and says, couldn't you keep watch for an hour? So Jesus has been warring in prayer, most likely for an hour. Comes back and he says, Um, could you not keep watch for one hour and then he upset initially he said to them stay here and keep watch and now he says to them watch and pray why so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit's willing but the flesh the body is weak watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation now there's two possibilities for what the temptation was The temptation was that he would actually stay awake and keep praying. But there's another idea that the temptation is that he would not deny Jesus. Jesus only asks of the disciples and he only asks and gives us permission to do what he enables. He doesn't ask us to do the impossible apart from him. What he requires, he enables. And so he says to the disciples, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. Raises the question: Is there a possibility Peter did not have to deny Jesus? Yet it had been prophesied absolutely. But was there a way that these disciples, these followers of Jesus, could actually pray and not fall into temptation? And we can sit here, we can read the disciples and go, come on, you could have prayed for that little while. Like, have you been to a prayer meeting recently? Have you like, prayed for an hour? Have you prayed on an ongoing basis for any length of time beyond five minutes? Like, This is why we actually pray the Bible, because like to pray longer than five, ten minutes gets hard. You run out of stuff. This is why we worship in prayer. This is why we read scriptures in prayer, because I'd rather pray God's word back to him than just make up my own stuff. So an hour is a very long time. Keep in mind, they've had the Passover, it's night time, so they've got full bellies and it's time for a nap. So it's easy to sit here and go, well, come on, you could have been a bit more committed. Well, I don't know what you're like after a full dinner and it's night time, but I'm ready for a nap. Yet they're missing the weight of the hour in this time. And so Jesus says to them, watch and pray. He ups the ante. Goes from stay here and watch to watch and pray. Are you watching and praying? oh that was committed Um, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation once more Jesus goes away and prays the same thing Abba Father everything is possible for you take this cup this cup of suffering this burden that I do not feel that I can carry take this cup away from me and then this crucial line that Jesus prays yet not what I will the crucial line that he prays yet not what I will but what you will not what I will but what you will Jesus had his own will and it wasn't to go to the cross and he's human fully human fully divine and he's like this is not my will but yours father that's the will that I will do when he came back he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy And they didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, so Jesus goes away again and prays some more. And then he comes back and he says to them, are you still sleeping and resting enough? The hour has come. Look, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And so in this moment, there would be a bit of panic as as Judas would lead the crowd of people that have been sent to come and arrest Jesus. And so they come and there's this kiss of betrayal man alive just the weight and the burden of what's happening here for jesus please like if you read this if you go home and read this do not gloss over what is happening and the price that jesus has paid for us to have the life that He has given us we cannot miss this and this is what the world is is so hungry for this is what the world is crying out for that they would actually know the savior of the world We're looking for it in every other way, in every other place, trying to self-medicate or self-fix ourselves in so many other ways. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus is the saviour of the world who paid the price that you and I can have eternal relationship with our Father in heaven. Why? Because Jesus didn't submit to his own will, but he took up the will of his Father and went to the cross in full submission and obedience and paid the price once and for all. It's good, isn't it? Well, I thought so. Disciples, you're doing an excellent job. Are you still awake? No, good. No, right. yeah, that's all right. All right, you should be. It's a bit of a panic now and you get to go and sit down shortly. The crowd comes up and the men seize Jesus and arrest him. And this point, this point kicks me in the guts every time I read it. Verse 50, then everyone deserted him and fled. You can all flee now. Cass, don't go too far. Everybody else can flee. Everyone deserted him and fled. What's, what's the theme for this year? Follow. There we go, it's still on. All these people Jesus has called to follow him. And then in this moment of fear and panic and uncertainty, fair enough too. They all stop following him and run away. They all go. We don't know where they go. Except there's one of them that sticks around. Because Peter follows to the courtyard. There's like... It, there's a lot in this text i 'm not doing it justice. this is a flyover you 'll need to go and read this for yourselves, but I, the, I think there's one particular thing out of this this episode or this group of episodes that God wants to highlight to us today. When Peter was blowing the courtyard, one of the girls comes by and looks at him closely and says, you're with the Nazarene, and Jesus deni- um, Peter denies it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. And he went out into the entryway. And then again, she says, this fellow is one of them, and again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you are talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed a second time and then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And Peter broke down and wept. Peter broke down and wept. But I read that and it occurred to me, Peter's the one that actually comes back and watches like, yeah, he denied Jesus. We get that. I totally understand. And we can read it and go, disciples, you should have tried harder. I don't know that any of us would have been any different in that situation. Like we can be all high and mighty. man. I've, we wouldn't be because I've denied Jesus in my own life and I'm not in his physical presence. But here's Peter, the one upon whom Jesus would build his church, who follows, maybe at a distance, and yes, definitely denies Jesus, but he, there's something about Peter where he doesn't give up. That he comes to see what actually takes place. Now the beautiful part of the story, Mark doesn't tell it. So uh, John chapter 21, if you want to go and read it, it's John chapter, after Jesus rises from the dead and he goes and he meets the disciples on the beach and he cooks them breakfast. Like, how good is the saviour that cooks you breakfast? Food, again, its food everywhere. He cooks breakfast to the disciples. Who's the first one out of the boat in a hurry to actually get back to Jesus? Who's the one that Jesus has a conversation with and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, obviously, the answer's in the question. And three times he has this. Three times Peter denies Jesus. Three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because Peter doesn't give up. Linda reflected last week the difference between Judas and Peter is that Peter came back to Jesus. Judas took it upon himself to punish himself. Peter sought redemption in the only one that could redeem him. Thank you, Cass. You've been a great Peter. Peter's always a better role to play than Judas. I'm sorry, Michael. (laughs) Peter never gives up on Judas, but on Jesus. The greater truth is that Jesus never gives up on Peter. Turn to Romans uh, chapter 8. I've left a whole bunch of stuff out. I loved Glenda's opening for today. And what it is to be to be born into this family of God. Romans 8 Romans 8:15 8, "For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear" but you received the spirit of sonship. Pardon me. Um, Spirit of sonship, or your translation might say, spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The same words that Jesus cried on the night he was crucified. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory If we receive the spirit of sonship. Paul writes to the church, verse 15 again, says, You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Father. So we don't have to live in fear, we don't have to live in doubt or worry or anxiety because we have been adopted into the family of God and being a part of the family God means above all else that God of all creation is our Heavenly Father. He is our Daddy God, He is our Abba. And because of that, this is where we find our identity. This is where we find our peace. This is why we can no longer have to strive. This is why we don't have to live lives trying to impress other people or keep up with the Joneses or try and achieve or outdo or outmake anybody or anything else because we are children of God. And somewhere along the way, I think a lot of us have believed the lie that, sure, I might be a part of the family of God, but I still have to endure fear and doubt and anxiety because that's my lot in life. No, our lot in life is that we have received the spirit of adoption. And the greater truth, I love my mum and my dad, but the greater truth than the fact that Anne and Roger are my earthly parents, the greater truth, the greater reality is that the God of all creation is my heavenly dad. That actually outweighs the physical reality of my earthly parents. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, you leave it all behind. Who are my mother and my brothers? I'm here to do the work of my father. This is our identity. This is our, our, our calling. And if you're here today and you don't know what it is to belong to the family of God, if you don't know what it is to receive the spirit of adoption, if you don't know what it is to have Jesus to say yes to Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then I just want to ask that the Holy Spirit would be uh, prompting you now, would be ministering to your spirit, that would be leading you into a place where you can confess Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life. But more than that, my heart, in, in preparing for today, I was just aware of so many of us that are like struggling to know what it is that we actually have received, the spirit of adoption. There's Some of us don't actually know the practical, tangible love of the Father. A friend of mine this week, we were talking about John 10.10, 10, where it says, Jesus, come that I may have... Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and you might have life to the full. You might have life in abundance. Not a weak and measly life that is just a shadow of what you're called to do or who you're meant to be, but a life to the full. And my friend said, am I living a life that's worth Jesus dying for? Am I living the life that Jesus paid for when he went to the cross? It hasn't left me since he mentioned it. Is my life reflecting the goodness of God that Jesus paid for when he went in full submission and surrender in obedience to the cross? And it's not a question of guilt or shame or condemnation. It's no. Actually, Jesus paid the price, the full price, so that I could have life forever with God. And that's not just going to start when I die. I'm not saved so that I go to heaven when I die. I'm saved that I can live as a son of God here and now. This is a gift of God that we have. This is why we get to celebrate Easter. This is why we share in communion. This is why we do this. So we can actually come together as the family of God. We can celebrate his wonder and his goodness. We can encourage one another. Spur each other on. Remind each other who we are as sons and daughters of God. I've said enough. I could just I could keep talking about God, but that would do it. Let's, let's stand together. As the team comes up, our, our closing song is It Is Well. And I think every time we sing this song, some of us love it because, yes, it is well with my soul. This, I feel so good singing this song. It reminds me how good life is, and I'm just I'm loving this song. But I think some of us today might actually need to sing it as, as a prayer, as a declaration, because our souls are not well. And that might be you feel disconnected from God, you might feel disconnected from the people around you, you might feel like all hope is gone. But what does it look like to actually sing out to God, not to anybody else around you? Man, you don't even have to sing in key and God still hears you and loves you. To sing, it is well with my soul. Before we sing, I want to offer, extend an invitation to anybody that does not have a relationship with Jesus. If you've never said yes to having Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life, to receive the life that he has to give you, to receive that spirit of adoption into the family of God, I want to offer that now. If there's anybody here, if you just want to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. But today's the day that I want to say yes and give my life to Jesus for the rest of us as we sing this song wherever you are in your relationship with god relationship with people relationship with yourself that you would encounter the jesus that doesn't give up that paid the full price in complete surrender and submission so that we can declare it is well with my soul